Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. It's a special edition of the walk-off, Jackie Robinson Day, April 15th. Uh, we get a chance to remember him every single year. And, uh, you know, it's not just for baseball. This guy was a civil rights leader is what it ended up being. And here today on the walk-off, alongside Ryan Spader, I am Holden Kushner. And a guy that played 21 years in the major leagues, Latroy Hawkins, guy I uh, used to work with and do a baseball show with. And now he's a special assistant baseball operations with the Minnesota Twins. LaTroy, great catching up with you, buddy. How have you been? Because from what I understand, you guys are still holding meetings. Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm just trying to stay busy like the rest of the United States and take this <laughs> downtime to have some personal development. And that's about it. But we are still having meetings on Zoom and just talking over and talking things over and, you know, trying to get ready for the draft whenever it's going to be and things like that. Hey, I remember talking with you about Jackie Robinson Day, and you said your grandfather had passed down a whole bunch of stories. Give us a little background on your grandfather, and and then maybe a story, too, that he gave you about Jackie. Um, yeah, my grandfather, he's uh, 95 this year. 94, nah, he'd be 95 Halloween. He turned 94 this past Halloween. Um, still kicking, still doing fine in Gary, Indiana, and you know, that's where my passion for baseball came from because he would tell me stories of not just Jackie. He would tell me stories about the Negro Leagues itself and how African-Americans uh, love the game of baseball and love watching the Negro Leagues because of the way they played the game with the flash, the athleticism. And um, there were a lot of teams. So wherever you were, if you're an African-American, you were pretty much close to a baseball team. And they all got out and supported the supported their teams. And, you know, he said they were, it was like a somewhat of like a party. Not like now you would go to a baseball game in your jeans. You, know, you would go to baseball games in a suit. Um, where his girlfriend was at the time he was taken, she would have on a nice dress, high heel shoes, a nice hat. So baseball for to attend the Negro League was more like a, and they were going to see the players, but it was more like a fashion show also. And he just remembers like watching Jackie play and Thatcher Page and um, Buck O'Neill and Cody um, Smith and watching those guys play the game of baseball. And, and, you know, he never played, but he had appreciation and love for it. And that's and he, him telling me about it is, you know, a lot of reason why I took to the game and, and um, have a love for the game of baseball. Hawk, um, you played both before and then obviously after 
uh, Jackie's number being retired throughout all of baseball. And so on April 15th, you had games where you wore your number 32. And then, of course, wearing number 42 after it was uh, retired and worn throughout all of baseball on April 15th. Uh, what did that mean to you as a ball player, and maybe not just you, but also your family and your grandfather to be able to wear that uh, number 42? Oh, it was a, uh, one of the most special moments in my career because when we first, when, they, when Major League Baseball first retired the number, they retired it for every team. You know, every player, only player they could wear was a player that was already wearing that number, which at the time was, I think the only guys I remember wearing 42 through my career was Butch Husky and Mariano Rivera. Many people probably don't remember Butch Husky, but I'm almost positive Butch Husky wore it. How about Mo Vaughn? Um, <laughs> Mo Vaughn. What's that, right? See, I, I, don't, I don't remember Mo wearing the number. I, I, I really don't. But, you know, there's three right there. Pretty impressive. So, you know, when we first retired, and I made the baseball first, retired the number, when initially started letting guys celebrate Jackie on, his, on, the, on April the 15th, it was just the African-American guys on the team. There wasn't any other, you know, races on the team that wore the number. So I always thought that maybe baseball got it wrong from the start because what Jackie did and he overcame just didn't affect the African-American players. I think it affected, you know, every player that came on, came to the game of baseball after him and it affected our whole country. So when they went to the, to the, to the time where everybody wanted to feel, I think that was when, I could sit on the bench and look at the field and see all 42s and have the most enjoyment because now I know Jackie had an impact on the entire game and not just the African-American players. Yeah, that's actually a really great point and not one that I uh, thought of because I was only eight years old when I think they first uh, wore number 42. I think it was Griffey, right, who, who wanted to start the trend. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm looking at uh, your numbers here. And the first, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. The first time you pitched on April 15th was in 2001. Uh, you ended up getting the save with a strikeout. Do you remember that moment being on the mound for the first time wearing number 42? I don't. And you know why? Because I, I, I did it 15 times. <laughs> I, I really don't. I hate to say it, but I did it 15 times, so I I really don't remember. And the further I get away from the game, the less I remember about what I did. <laughs> well, you still I mean, love Garrett Chicago. Garrett, you you yeah. know that. Yeah, I know you love Chicago and the Cubs fans. So that's uh, that's oh, at least yeah. one thing uh, there, Latroy. Hey, um, Sharon Robinson, Jackie's wife, that's somebody you got a chance to know pretty well, isn't it? And yeah, what about the relationship yeah. with her? Actually, the daughter, uh, I should say, Sharon um, the daughter of Jackie Robinson. You had a chance to get to know her and tell me about your relationship and what she's done to try and keep Jackie's legacy alive. Well, Sharon, you know, sometimes a lot, she, she goes, she flies under the radar, but she is, um, I think the, the pillar that keeps Jackie's legacy alive and well, she's written a few books about her dad. Um, we travel overseas together to do uh, Jackie Robinson programs. I first met her in 1997 doing a Breaking Barriers reading program at a school in Minneapolis, elementary school in Minneapolis. It was the first time I met her. It was myself, Sharon, and Alan Price, who works for the Major League Baseball Players Union. And 
um, from that point on, we always kept in contact, see each other. I was part of the program, breaking barriers. But, you know, <clears throat> when I think about Sharon now, I think about the impact that she's had on my daughter, Troy. It was 2008, I was playing with the Yankees. And, you know, I always say being with the Yankees, I can't say it was like a cult. But being the Yes <laughs> Network, everything was about the Yankees. Everything was about the Yankees on the Yes Network. And my daughter would come to the games during that time I was there. And one day we were riding home after the game, and I was like, hey, Troy was like, Dad. And she was probably six years old. Was Babe Ruth the greatest baseball player ever? You know, she said Babe Ruth was the greatest baseball player ever. And I was like, in my mind, no, baby girl, that's not the truth. So I was like, but you know what? From this point on, we're going to have some history lesson. So I called Sharon. I talked to Sharon about uh, Troy and let Troy talk to her and you know, she ended up being a mentor for my daughter. You know, she's been to New York to hang out with her for her birthday and just to teach her about, you know, the Jackie Robinson legacy, what he stood for. And that their relationship has been like the greatest gift that, you know, Jackie has passed on to me. And, you know, Sharon, you know, I'll, I'll give her a shoot a text message tonight sometime. And but we talk from time to time and she's just always accessible. She's always successful. And she's just a ray, of, a ray of sunshine, always. I think I've asked you this before, but and, and I really didn't realize that I had an affinity for the black ball players until I talked to you about this. Gwen, Puckett, my favorite players of the 80s. Carew was right there. You know, my man crush on Tory Hunter. So thank you very much for introducing me to him, at least over the phone and stuff like that. What happened to all the black <laughs> ball players, LaTroy? What happened, man? Because... For a long time, the best in the game, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, the, the Gwynn, Puckett, all these guys, Carew. What happened? Why aren't you? Why aren't they playing as much anymore? Because the higher ups who have the most money made it into a money game, and the NCAA not giving out full scholarships is an issue. And I've always said that if you go back and read any of my quotes over the years that I was in major league baseball, participating and speaking about the Jackie Robinson and speaking about the decline in African-American playing the game of baseball, I always say the NCAA, they don't give out full scholarships. They don't. And they only allow so many 11.7 or something. So they have to split those, those scholarships up between three and four players. And now the, the actual athlete has to, Put the deal for the rest, and that's not happening. Well, as opposed, you got football and basketball where they're giving out full rides, and I think that makes it an easy route for a lot of a lot of African Americans. Um, we talk about that also. I have to bring up, you know what? The not the marketing of the game, the the flair, the the um, the coolness of the game. Uh, with basketball and football, um, we've always talked about how we can make baseball uh, more exciting for the players, and it's just tough. It's just tough because, you know, baseball is a slow thinking man's game, and every pitch you react is slow, then you react, slow, then you react. Well, kids like things that's happening, you know, quickly, all the time, nonstop, football quickly basketball quickly and i think it's tough for for players i mean for baseball to hold a kid's attention and that's when the african-american kids start to 
you know, funnel towards the basketball, funnel towards the football. And baseball got left behind because it got too expensive. There are no scholarships. And the excitement of the game, the action of the game is very slow. And this is my number one right here. Baseball is predicated around failure. You fail more than you succeed in the game of baseball. Most African-American kids, most minority kids that grew up in the inner city, the ones that we're actually talking about and targeting, they witness failure every day in their lives, their childhoods. So getting them to play a game that's predicated on failure is a tough sale. And that's why I think that African-Americans stopped playing the game. But on a lighter note, maybe baseball has a few programs that they're, they have now that I'm part of that we're getting African-American kids, minority kids, back to playing the game of baseball. We do the Dream Series, got the Hank Aaron Invitational, where we're bringing kids in who don't have a chance to play on all these expensive travel ball teams. We're bringing them in, giving them great coaching from ex-major league players, myself, Marvin Freeman, um, Pat Mahomes, Willie Banks, um, and a few other guys. Um, and then you got we do the catching. We got um, Lenny Webster, Charles Johnson come in and help. And then on the on the infield side, we got Junior Spivey and Luke Collier. So we got a few guys that are dedicated our time to help the African American kids. Um, get a leg up and actually getting some good fundamental um, instruction from people who know what they're talking about. And maybe baseball puts the bill. Um, go, you know, we do the dream, the dream series over MLK weekend when kids have four, four days off. We go, we go out to Arizona. We train at the uh, angels complex and you got the top, well, not the top, but you have black pitchers and black catchers and just getting them ready for their season when they ramp up for their season. And we're teaching some things that they can take back and hopefully it can make them a better player, make them more appealing to some of the college coaches and some of the, the scouts and hopefully can do something to change their lives in a positive manner. Hulk, and I'm... Tony Regan and Dale Matthews <laughs> had that program through Major League Baseball. Tony Regans used to be the GM for the Anaheim Angels, and Dale Matthews um, worked with the White Sox, player development, and with you know Bob Manfred runs the program, he's head of it, but his right hand man on this is Tony Regans and Dale Matthews. Hawk, sorry about that. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, no problem. I'm 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 flipping back now to the conversation I guess you had with your daughter when she was younger about you know the greatest ball player of all time and um, you know she asked you about Babe Ruth and uh, something that gets thrown around often you know it's going to get thrown around after this year like what, how much great Mike Trout baseball did we miss out on this year or any other great ball player who we're not going to see for a large part of this year and then um, you had of course you know the seasons we missed out of Ted Williams and and um, of uh, Joe DiMaggio that are always talked about. And then people ask how much greater would have Ichiro's hit total have been had he come over here sooner, but he was handicapped by the contract that he had in Japan. These are all things that nobody could have really done anything about. The fact of the matter is Jackie Robinson didn't play Major League Baseball until he was 28 years old. He was actually 
277 days older than Ichiro was on the day of his debut, and he's always touted as one of the older guys to debut in baseball and hit the ground running. So how much great baseball do you think this country's racism at the time robbed us of uh, because we were unable to see Jackie Robinson as a major leaguer at 19, 20 years old? Uh, I mean, a full career for him ended up being 10 seasons versus which should have probably been closer to 20. And I'm just wondering how much greater do you think his numbers would have been had that not been a, an issue in this country at the time? Well, we know that um, had he been younger when he made it to the major leagues, his number would have been better. That's obvious. Um, but, yes, I think baseball fans were definitely robbed of seeing some of the most exciting, exciting exciting players play the game on a whole nother level because the way the, the guys played the game in the Negro leagues was completely different from the game that, that everyone was America was used to seeing. It was completely different. It was faster, um, stronger play guys threw harder. It was just a part of the game that, that if you can think about how slow the game was without them, and how fast it is with us, I mean, it's obvious to the eyes that the game is more exciting when you have African-Americans and Dominicans playing the game and Latinos <laughs> playing the game. It's a lot more exciting. Yeah. And I, you I, have something. I mean, it, it make, they make it look easier. And that's not a knock to my other counterparts, but, you know, having a, having a contrast and something to compare it to, I think that's what um, most people missed out on. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, it's a much better game as far as I'm concerned when everybody's involved. Um, one thing, I'm going to flip the switch on you here a little bit and talk about your career here for a second. Uh, your numbers as a, as a whole, they're kind of a little bit inflated by um, your days as a starter. You look at your numbers exclusively as a relief pitcher, and as far as I'm concerned, they're absolutely elite. You compare them to – it's funny you bring up Marvin Freeman because I was talking with him just the other day about this. Uh, you compare your numbers as a reliever only, and you're right up there with some relief pitchers who were in the Hall of Fame. I mean your numbers are probably better than Bruce Suter, better than Goose Gossage, probably better than Raleigh Fingers. Uh, do you ever look back on your career and just be like, man, I, I wish I was a reliever from the get-go because that's where you kind of found your niche? You know what? I never. I, I might be the most boring retired athlete ever when it's when it comes to talking <laughs> about themselves and looking at their career. I don't. All I all I know is I had some good times. I had some bad times, and I know I started off. I I finished better than I started off, and that's how I look <laughs> at my career. And when we talk about numbers, I, you know what? I I don't I don't get caught up in the numbers. I always want to be remembered not by the by what was on the back of my baseball card. I want to be remembered in the game of baseball how I treated treated people and my teammates and what my teammates have to say about me. Because at the end of the day, I think that's way more important than the numbers I was able to accumulate over 20 years in the big leagues, what my teammates say about me. For me, that's more important. That's just way more important. And then I know we love we get caught up in stats, and the stats are good, but – if I had to pick one thing out of my career that I'm most proud of, and that's pitching at 1,042 games. That's one of the things. My, my longevity is 
what I'm most proud of, my longevity. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a terrific thing to be proud of as, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And just to turn things back a little bit, you mentioned all the young Afri- African-American ballplayers. I'm actually doing a little uh, project to send some equipment to young African ballplayers in uh, Nigeria and Cameroon. And I've got a ton of um, equipment in my apartment. My girlfriend wants to kill me because it's like five, 600 pounds of equipment. And now it's stuck here for a while because of the uh, pandemic going on. But um, if that's anything that you're interested in, I'd, I'd love to send it along, give you some information as far as uh, what we're doing there, because some of these kids, they just love baseball. And it's it's really sad to see what they're um, what they're playing with, the ragged gloves. And you hear all the stories of kids playing with uh, milk containers and stuff. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting these guys some equipments. But um, do, do you ever see some baseball becoming more of a worldwide sport, you know, maybe get some more ballplayers from um, Africa. Cause I think we've only had one who was actually born in. Gift in the, and Gope. Gift yep, and there you Gope. Go. Yep. Thanks. You knew how to mess up that name. No problem. <laughs> I, um, I was actually, I was supposed to be in Uganda right now um, with our embassy for a Jackie Robinson uh, celebration, which I did three years ago with Sharon in Romania. Um, and I was going to, um, I was supposed to hook, um, sit down and meet with the, um, do some camps around, around Kampala and actually sit and meet with the, the president of their baseball because they're playing baseball in Uganda. So it's funny that you brought that up, that you're doing some stuff in Cameroon and Nigeria. Um, you know, it's something I, I, I would love to be a part of. Um, there's some really good athletes that don't play the game of baseball that, with an opportunity, they would love to. They would love to. So South Africa was one of the teams that was in the WBC qualifier that we were going to play right before we were shut down by the COVID-19. So, but yes, that's something I'm definitely interested in. Hey, last one for you. Speaking of the COVID-19, which completely sucks. Um, <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. And, and Mike Trout was talking about this, so it became big news. He's like, I can't sit in a hotel for four months away from my family if you want to play baseball this year. So put yourself, you're still an active major leaguer. Let's just give you the hypothetical scenario. You're playing in Arizona, and all you can do is go to the ballpark. Let's say you guys were at the ballpark for 10 hours anyways. Let's say 12 hours at the ballpark, and what you do is you go back to the hotel and you're not doing anything. Would you play baseball under those circumstances, given where we're at right now? Oh, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that holding because I'm not. <laughs> so it's really hard. I mean, I can't say that I wouldn't do it. Well, it's easy to say I wouldn't do it because I don't have to. But if I'm making 12, 14, 15, 25 million dollars, I mean, I mean, I would definitely have to consider it. I mean, I would have, I would have to consider it, but I don't I don't know I just don't think that whole Arizona slash Florida um, thought process has been thrown around in the media is even conceivable. I don't. Um, the most likely thing that's conceivable for me is playing in empty stadiums. That's a possibility, mm-hmm. uh, like they were doing in Japan, if I'm not mistaken. But as far as everybody going to Arizona. I don't get that. I don't think Arizona can – they don't have the infrastructure to, to hold freaking 
30 baseball teams and all that. I just don't. It wouldn't make yeah, sense. There's not enough hotels for that. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And I, I've been saying this. I just I don't see a scenario where we have much of a baseball season this year or at all. You know, and it's kind of sad to say that, but you've got individual states like California or, you know, Los Angeles, the Bay Area. They're saying they're not going to be able to do this until 2021. So, I mean, we're living in just an odd time, man. Uh, it's all I can say. We're in the Twilight Zone, bro. We the are. Twilight zone. That's a good way the of putting Twilight Zone. Do, 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 do. You and yes. I are old enough to remember, like, the original black and we're white. We're in the Twilight Zone. They were reruns. It's like we're being punished. We're, we're all on punishment. Maybe we deserve it. I don't know. Maybe we deserve it, my yeah, friend. Maybe we do. Maybe hey, we do, it was awesome catching time. up with you. Are you still doing the pheasant Rock hunting? Chalk, thing? Maybe. Rock chalk would have yes. been a nice year. There's Rock some more chalk. punishment for me. We didn't get to see a championship. Oh, but you, you got the pheasant hunting thing, right? Are you leading the yeah, tour? Leading the tours? Nothing. We got nothing going on. Even weddings. We had weddings canceled. I mean, oh. we're, we're in a bad spot just like the rest of the world. Pheasant yeah. hunting is actually over with, but it's wedding season and all that, and we got nothing going on at the ranch, man. Nothing. Nothing. All right. All right, buddy. It yep. sucks for all of us. Thanks for so much for coming on. Hey, you. Hey, you. Anytime, brother. All right. Thanks. Let's, Bye-bye. Troy Hawkins, 21 years in the bigs. Uh, Ryan, always good to catch up with him because, you know, he's he's plugged in. New Sharon Robinson, well, still does a lot uh, trying to get Africans into the game, African-Americans in the game. So you talk about Jackie Robinson. It's really a week. That's the first guy that pops into my mind. He does a lot, Ryan. He does a lot. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, he had a whole lot to say. I, I learned quite a bit, so I'm looking forward to sending him along the uh, the stuff we've got going on with the young ball players in um, Nigeria and Cameroon. All right, buddy. Take care of yourself. We'll be back with another walk-off on Monday. For Ryan Spader, I'm Holden Kushner. Take care.